This call is being recorded. What's up and welcome back to the Locked On Bucks podcast. I am James Yarko, joined as always by David Harrison. You can find everything that we're doing over at thepeterplank.com and follow along on Twitter at Locked On Bucks, at thepeterplank, at jyarko underscore bucks, and at dh82 underscore bucks. David is calling in on location in lovely Chicago, Illinois. So, David, how you doing out there in the Windy City? Well, I'm doing great. Did some sightseeing. I went and saw that uh, that really big shiny bean thing, and uh, stood on top of a really tall building and had some pizza. So, overall successful trip. Yeah, get a bag of Garrett's popcorn, and it's uh, a plus trip. I've had so much Garrett's popcorn just because I travel through Chicago a lot. So the airport has it uh, that it's almost boring. Oh, how dare you? I'll still get it. Don't worry. All right. Well, coming up on today's show, of course, happy free agency day to each and every one of you out there. And I know at least 75% of you are probably still freaking out at this point in time. But you know what? We're here to calm you down. We are going to be... going to be discussing the contract extensions of Cameron Brait, Brent Grimes, and of course, star receiver Mike Evans. We are going to discuss some of the remaining free agents available that the Buccaneers are interested in. And yes, there are still free agents available. Relax, calm down. And finally, David and I are going to wrap up bringing back one of our old segments, uh, pick six, where we are going to take a topic and we are going to pick six players or items or depending on what the topic is, we are going to pick a total of six things pertaining to said topic. But David, let's go ahead and dive in real quick to these contracts that were handed out by Jason Light and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to uh, Mike Evans, Cameron Brait, and Brent Grimes. Uh, Mike Evans, uh, according to Pewter Report, is getting a uh, as part of his five year extension. He is getting forty two million dollars in guarantees. The original number was reported at fifty five. However, the thirteen point two million dollars for his fifth year option was already guaranteed, so that is not actually part of the extension. But that keeps Mike Evans locked up for the next six seasons through the 2023 season. You have Brent Grimes returning on a one-year deal worth up to $10 million. Once again, up to $10 million. Uh, Rick Stroud is reporting that there is $7 million in guarantees in that deal. And then Pro Bowl and postseason incentives and things like that that can get him up to the $10 million. And finally, Cameron Brait, somebody that you – Brent Allen of the Pewtercast and I all sat here and debated and discussed about how the Bucks likely would not be able to afford to give Brait the kind of extension he would command on the open market. Well, turns out Cameron Brait told his agent he doesn't want to hit the open market, just get a deal done with Tampa, and holy cow, did he take a hometown discount signing a six-year extension. Now, Rick Stroud had tweeted out, there's two different numbers floating out. We haven't seen the official breakdown yet. So these are both speculation at this point in time. But we initially saw reports of 18 million of his 42 million of that, uh, or 41 million in that six-year deal being guaranteed. And then uh, Rick Stroud had tweeted out some numbers saying that it's actually 40.8 million 
and only 15 of it is guaranteed. So either way, uh, Brait's looking at making, you know, almost three up to $3 million per year in guarantees in this contract. But as we know, Jason Light and Mike Greenberg, they like to front load these deals. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if all of this guaranteed money is within the first two seasons, um, possibly the first three seasons. But Cameron Bray took a huge discount to stay here because he loves it here. Um, you know, he he told his agent he wants to be a Buccaneer. He wants to stay here. He doesn't care um, what happens. Just just get the deal done. So we're uh, you know, we were never advocating for the Buccaneers to trade Cameron Bray. We just thought it was a strong possibility. But uh, I know you and I are both absolutely thrilled that he will be returning for the foreseeable future. So. David, what's kind of your reaction as they pertain to uh, to some of these contracts here? Well, I mean, first, right off the bat, I'm extremely happy, somewhat relieved uh, to see Mike Evans get locked down. And for both of them, I sent out a tweet when it happened. Great to see both of them to recommit to each other because as much as the, the team is paying the player, uh, the player is, is putting a lot into the team as well with, you know, uh, their their long term health and and all that so just great to see you know th- those two uh, sides get together and, and make something happen before the season got uh, got rolling and like you mentioned you know when it went down Scott Smith you know on the episode uh, told us that he he didn't see any reason why it wouldn't happen before the beginning of the season and you know so just uh, I wouldn't say relieved because I don't think we really got to a point where we were starting to sweat you know the Mike Evans situation so. Kudos to them, and, and we're thankful, of course, that they didn't put us in that position in the first place. Uh, Cam Brait, yeah, I mean, uh, I, what else can you say about Cameron Brait? I mean, just the fact that he was so committed to this team that, he, you know, dollar signs were, were not at the forefront of his mind. It was staying in Tampa, and it just kind of shows the dedication he has to the organization and, and also the belief that he has on the team. And same thing goes with Brent Grimes. I mean, I know the money has a part to do with it, you know, but – I think Brent, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know Brent personally, so this is just kind of, this is all speculation, but, and, and a little bit of what Miko has said, kind of on her own podcast and stuff from time to time. I think Brent's tired. Like, I, I like, I honestly think that Brent Grimes, to a certain level, is actually ready to get on with his post-football life. But I think that, you know, kind of like what we talked about before, that he didn't really want to go out on the note that the Bucks went out on last year. So the fact that he's coming back. And then he's coming back to Tampa because, you know, we all have to remember he did have the option of coming back to the NFL and not being a Buccaneer, right? Shows all what all three of these gentlemen have done, I think, really shows that inside that locker room, on that roster, there is a level of belief in what they have going. As frustrated as the fans are, as frustrated as we've been with the lack of performance from 2017, I think all three of these guys, by their actions of re-signing, how they re-sign, so on and so forth, shows that the players inside the room – have faith in what they're doing. So if the players are buying into the, I hate to say this word anymore just because it's it's so overplayed thanks to the 76ers, but if the players are buying into the process they have working in Tampa, then I don't know, we all need to kind of, I would like to see all of us get, get on board with it. Not saying like, let's get to the level we were last year with, with all the hype and all that, but just kind of, you know, if the, if the players believe in it, these are the guys who are pouring their blood, sweat, and tears, tears into it. You know, if they believe in it, enough to sacrifice money, sacrifice, you know, personal time and, and sacrifice I me, mean, not for nothing, but Mike Evans, if, if Mike Evans comes and, you know, holds out 
uh, re-signing contract comes out, balls out in 2018, he's getting you know even more money than he got right now. So it's not like Mike Evans as as, as paid as he just got. It's not like he couldn't have gotten more as well. So uh, yeah, I don't know. I kind of want to with Cameron Braid's deal, man. Like I kind of want to take a page out of what like the Bills book they did with with Andy Dalton. I think right. Like uh, Cam Brakes, uh represented by JL Sports, and they do they do some work with uh, the United Way. So like, if Cameron Brakes goes out and has like wide, uh, tight end one type numbers this season, like let's get a Buccaneers, you know, GoFundMe or something to every fan can donate and basically donate, you know, the money that he should have made from being such a great tight end to the United Way or something crazy like that. I don't know. I just I'm blown away by how much of a of a how much money Cameron Bray really got in his contract? Because I think that he could have got a lot more. His agent probably knows that, and he probably knows it. But uh, that that really right there is kind of the biggest thing that stood out to me. Uh, yeah, I I think the the amount of guaranteed money and and the discount that Bray took stood out in a big big way. Um, and you know, Mike Evans, I had said it numerous times. I believe that Mike Evans was, was going to end up being the highest paid receiver in the NFL until Odell Beckham Jr. signed his deal. Turned out he took a little bit less than Antonio Brown's average annual value. However, he has more money in guarantees than Antonio Brown and DeAndre Hopkins. So, you know, it was a good deal for Evans. He probably, you know, I'm sure he could have gotten more if there were other teams involved in the bidding war, but Evans is here to stay, man. Like Jason Light even tweeted out a picture, uh, you know, of an autographed jersey that Evans had given to, to Light's, one of, one of Light's kids. And, you know, he wants to be, he wants to be a buck for life. And it looks like it's going to work out that way uh, unless he has some sort of like Jerry Rice-esque length of career but you know i don't think we're going to see that out of a receiver ever again so yeah they're they're all good deals and and grimes provides that that stability the the veteran presence the the leader voice in you know in the film room in the in the position group um it doesn't change the fact that the buccaneers still need to add an additional corner likely in free agency and then probably draft one on day three to work on and develop because if Grimes doesn't come back and you go out and you sign EJ Gaines or Morris Claiborne or somebody like that, they don't have the pedigree that Brent Grimes does. I think that was vital. And and, and as we've said, it's a one year deal. That was a vital bridge. You know, Grimes is still productive. He's still a, a, good corner in this league, but he's 35 years old. It's not a long-term thing. I think this is, we're probably looking at Brent Grimes final year of his career. And I think, I I believe it was Rick Stroud that said that Miko wants him to go join the NBA D league and try to try to play basketball. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, it was, it was the right bridge for this scenario not every single area of this team is going to be 100% solved by time the season kicks off. There are still going to be holes. There's still going to be guys that have to develop. There's still going to be growth necessary for the success, but Brent Grimes provides that stability and that, you know, that leadership and, and, you know, he's a solid player. It's good to have him back on this team for another season. So, 
David, coming up, we are going to be discussing some remaining Buccaneers free agent targets that haven't been scooped up here in the first two days of the legal tampering period. You are listening to the Locked On Bucks podcast. I am James Yarko, joined as always by David Harrison, and you can find everything that we're doing over at thepewterplank.com. David, um, there are still some Buccaneers targets available in free agency, despite the overreactiveness of some Buccaneers fans that want them to sign every single person immediately before any of the other 31 teams get involved. Um, It wouldn't surprise me if there were people screaming that we should have signed Kirk Cousins. But as is the case, um, there are still some guys out there in free agency that can come in and immediately help this team. Um, And it sounds like the, the names to look for that the Buccaneers have reportedly shown interest in from various sources. Um, running back Jarek McKinnon, cornerback EJ Gaines, defensive tackle Bo Allen, uh, center Ryan Jensen, and guard Josh Sitton. Now, that doesn't include, um, you know, the potential that Tyron Matthew, the safety out of Arizona, gets released before his guarantees of the next, like, two seasons kick in. Um, He could definitely be one of the top targets. Of course, Jason Light was instrumental in getting him drafted to the Cardinals. So, and, and there's, there's going to be, as you and I have discussed multiple times and I've, I've talked to people on Twitter about it. There's multiple waves of free agency. There's this initial push at the very beginning that we're seeing right now where everybody's going crazy and money's getting thrown around like you wouldn't believe. And then it kind of it quiets down a little bit and the draft ramps up. And then we have the draft. We're in 100% full-on draft mode. Well, now teams that were looking to fill positions that they didn't get to draft are going to go back and we're going to have that little second wave of free agency. And there's going to be slow signings throughout the entire off season, you know, up through the summer and then into training camp. Then you have the training camp cuts and now you have your, your final wave of free agency before the season starts. That's how the bucks were able to get TJ ward. You know, these things happen. And, and as I've said, the, the analogy that I like to use that I've used on Twitter, I used it when we had Scott Smith on the last time, It's like a symphony. All these different things have to work in unison in order for everything to sound right. So don't overreact if if they don't sign enough players to your liking in this first wave because then we got the draft and we're going to see what needs they address in the draft. And then we're going to have another wave of free agency. And then we're going to have another one. And then there's going to be another little one. So just it all has to work together. The team as it stands right now is not the team that is trotting out on week one. The team a week from today is not going to be the team that is trotting out week one. The team on May 25th is not going to be the same as the team on week one. So of of some of these free agents that, that the Buccaneers have reportedly shown interest in or made calls on, um, kind of who who jumps out to you um, as far as who can help this team and, and who may 
be the most likely to end up in a Buccaneers uniform? So of all those guys, I'm more, I'm most interested in Ryan Jensen and Jarek McKinnon. And I also think those are the two that have the best shot at actually becoming uh, a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. EJ Gaines is certainly a guy who, you know, you could very easily see him uh, joining the Bucs as well. So it's not a huge gap in between those names, but I just, I think that after moving on from Doug Martin, Peyton Barber has uh, a very specific set of skills, right? And Jarek McKinnon complements those skills very well. I think at the end of the day, if McKinnon doesn't come to Tampa, it's going to be more about, I mean, obviously he, you know, he probably has his own internal list of teams that he wants to play for. But I think if the Buccaneers were to pull out of that race, it's going to come down to more, more about dollar signs than anything else. Like the, the price tag for him is just going to get too high uh, for the Bucks to stay in that race if, if the Bucks pull out of it. Uh, so the only other way, obviously, is if McKinnon just wants to go somewhere else. Um, and as far as Ryan Jensen's concerned, I just it, it just the, the Buccaneers need uh, help on the front line. Jensen is is a you know looks like a good young player, a, a good piece they could plug in there. And the the concern that I have with him is, is the concern I would have with anybody in his position, and, and some of the same concerns I have with McKinnon is just the small body of work as far as successful seasons is concerned. Neither of these guys is you know you look at Tremaine Johnson and you're talking years and years and years, or at least multiple seasons of sustained success. When you look at Jensen and McKinnon, you're really talking about, you know, they came up and made impacts uh, in 2017. McKinnon a little bit has shown some flashes here in previous years as well, but really 2017 was, was there uh, somewhat of a coming out party. So you're always, I always, you know, I'm always a little bit concerned when it's, when you're talking about a guy who's really only got one season of real solid play, because we all know that their value is getting inflated during the free agency period. That's, why free agency is so great for the players. Um, and it, it's great for the fans, too, because of all the excitement and intrigue, but it's a risk for NFL teams. But I don't think Jensen is is going to get inflated as much as some other guys might have. So uh, for those reasons, those are the two guys I'm kind of keeping an eye on. Now, somebody that I didn't mention was former Chief Safety Ron Parker. And when he became a free agent, a few years ago, the Buccaneers did show interest. And uh, I had tweeted out earlier, I was listening to an interview with him and he said he would like to go to Carolina or Atlanta. Um, I guess he has uh, family in, in both places, close to both places. Um, do you think the Buccaneers should show any interest in, in Parker or do you think they should look to, you know, get a little bit younger at the position, maybe hold out for Matthew. And if they can't get Tyron Matthew, they potentially draft one. I mean, kind of how do you see the the safety position shaking out? Or should they look for a guy like uh, like Kenny Vaccaro, who I guess the, the Cowboys are, are hot on? Uh, I'm not really all that high on Vaccaro. And as far as Parker, I don't know. I feel like, I mean, he could, you could pair him with, with Justin Evans, and, and Parker's got some experience uh, as a tackler and some experience as a, as a cover cover safety, so that gives you some flexibility there because I think Evans, uh, we've discussed it, his, his coverage skills definitely got better as the season went on, so it kind of gives you some flexibility in what you do in the secondary and gives Mike Smith to kind of, you know, disguise maybe a couple of safety blitzes or, or you know, who's going to stay in the box, who's going to bail and all that stuff, so it's hard for quarterbacks to read. Um, I don't know. You know, I haven't heard anything of, of any team 
uh, specifically having interest in Parker, but he's not a guy who I expected to be free. Like, I don't think we've done any content on him during the, uh, the, the this part of the offseason because I don't think we really ever expected him to be a guy that was available. Uh, like I said, I'm not all that high on Vaccaro. Um, I did like him when he was coming out of Texas, you know. Uh, oh, yeah. There's something to be said there. But considering the, the struggles that the Saints have had in their secondary over the years, I know their defense was better last year. But looking at the struggles that they have had, if, if the Saints are kind of willing to move on from them, then potentially you're talking about a guy who was part of the problem, not part of why they got better last year. Yeah, and um, I'll tell you what, the, the guy that I'm looking at the most right now is is Ryan Jensen. It seems that things are kind of lining up that he might be kind of the big target because the way I look at Jensen is he he improves the the offensive line across the board. Just his signing improves the whole line because as you and I were talking pre-recording, you bring in Jensen to, to play center, and I like Ali Marpet at center. I do. I know you're not a huge fan of it, but if you bring in a guy like Jensen and he can play center and you can move Marpet back to guard, you have a pretty incredible interior at that point. You can then move on from Sweezy. You can save that money. Draft Nelson. Yeah, and oh my God, if they draft Quentin Nelson and the interior of your line is Jensen, Marpet, and Nelson, holy smokes. You are talking about the nastiest interior in the NFL. Like, hands down. It doesn't... David, you could sign as the running back and clip off 4.2 yards per carry if you were running up the middle every time. I would, like, I would gladly sign as a running back. So, Jason White, if you're listening, uh, I'm representing myself. It won't take five hours to, to deal with me, I promise. Uh, Jason, I'll do it too, and I'll do it for less money than he will. I'll take the minimum. Thank you. <laughs> But yeah, it, it it seems like I I know people read a lot into social media and allow it to make them jump to conclusions. With that said, um I have noticed that Ryan Jensen and his father on Twitter have been liking a lot of Buccaneers related tweets. Now, that could mean a lot of things. It could mean they appreciate the fans' interest in them, or in Jensen. It could mean that they like the idea of Tampa, but they also like the idea of six other NFL teams. It could mean a lot of things, but it's something, right? For this yeah, I think crazed so. fan base I mean, I... who is starving for anything at this point. I used to live right outside of Baltimore, and during my years there, I wanted nothing more than to go to Florida. So I think that's what it's worth. I think he likes the fact that there's no state income tax. I mean, who wouldn't? But anyway, uh, coming up, David and I are going to jump into a pick six segment to wrap up this free agent kickoff edition of the Locked On Bucks podcast. 
You are listening to the Locked On Bucks podcast with James Yarko and David Harrison. We are the co-experts over at thepewterplank.com, so make sure you're checking out everything that we do over there as we cover all things Tampa Bay Buccaneers, especially during this free agent frenzy. And make sure you follow along on Twitter at Locked On Bucks and at the Pewter Plank. David, let's go ahead and dive into pick six real quick. Not quite rapid fire, but pretty close as we go to wrap up this episode. And we are each going to pick three free agents that we want to see the Buccaneers add. Obviously, our hashtag Tremaine train has been derailed. Um, so we, we can't pick him. And you are not allowed to pick Mike Glennon. He's going to Arizona. And uh, you're not allowed to pick any former Buckeyes because I don't like them and I will not accept them as an answer. Bring AJ Hawk out of retirement. Oh, please don't do that. He's so much better on uh, whatever the heck it is, the podcast that he does with Pat McAfee. He does some sort of recap podcast. I can't remember the name of it. Anyway, David, go ahead and kick it off with uh, your first free agent that you want to see the Buccaneers sign. Justin Pugh from the New York Giants. I still can't find anything saying he's connected to any team. So forgive me if he is. Um, Yeah, we were just talking about the interior line, right? So... Uh, of course, a lot of that, you know, hinges on what they're going to do with Ali Marpet and and all that and how they're going to move with uh, Kevin Pample, right? He's been getting a lot of attention uh, on the free agent market. So, you know, so a lot of pieces that go into, their, in, into that. But I like him. I think that his price point is going to stay a little bit lower just because he's coming off injury. So you're not going to have to overpay as much as you would for some other guys, of course, coming off of injury has its own set of concerns because you're coming off an injury. Saw so what happened with J.R. Sweezy, right? When he was signed, he was ailing from a back injury, and, well, that hasn't gone so well. So, But he's still he's a guy that I would like to see the team bring in. So that's my first pick. All right. I'm going to go with the guy that we just talked about. I'm taking Ryan Jensen for all the reasons that we discussed earlier. It, it improves the O-line across the board. And not only that, but it improves the team in both facets of the offense. It helps in the run blocking and it helps keep Jameis upright so that he doesn't get his shoulder blown out. We have to deal with, you know, three, four, five weeks of Fitz craptastic and no craptastic. It would be a huge upgrade for the entire Buccaneers offense to be able to pull that off. So I'm not going to say any more on it. Uh, we we talked about it in the last segment. So my first pick, Ryan Jensen, over to you, good sir. I'm going to go with cornerback Kyle Fuller from the Chicago Bears. Um, Yikes. It just, it just broke not too long ago that Prince of Mukamara is, going, is, is staying in Chicago. Uh, the Bears have signed some other free agents, Taylor Gabriel, or, well, they haven't signed anybody, but reportedly will sign, right, guys like Taylor Gabriel. Uh, who is it? Allen Robinson, right? They got him. Um, uh, Trey, Trey Burton, right, tight end. So they're, they're spending some money. And uh, originally when they, when they slapped the transition tag on Kyle Fuller, I kind of thought it was going to take some serious cash to, to take him away from Chicago. But now that the Bears are spending some cash, 
Uh, I don't think it's going to take as much to get the Bears to not match. So I'd kind of like to see the Bucks make a run at him and pair him out there with uh, with Brent Grimes for a year, move VH3 into the slot permanently. And then, uh, you know, in 2019, we can worry about getting another outside corner to, to pair up with Fuller. But, uh, yeah, considering considering Tremaine Johnson's gone, Tremaine's getting, what, $15 million a year, I think, is what I saw yeah. in, in his deal. So you probably get Fuller for about 10, which is still, you know, uh, a little pricey. But if he's going to potentially turn into a future number one corner for your team, uh, or even if he turns out to be a really solid number two corner for your team, and you draft, you know, a future Jalen Ramsey next year or something like that. Uh, it, it, it'd be, I think it'd be a good pickup. And I have seen mock drafts having Denzel Ward of the Ohio State Buckeyes go to the Buccaneers. So, you know, Ward and, and Fuller would look really good in 2019 together. My next free agent is going to be Jarek McKinnon. I know that's kind of low-hanging fruit, but, you know, when and you and I – cheating. How am I cheating? I don't know. It's a really good pick. I was just going to say that <clears throat> since you and I started talking about this, I, I've talked about Jarek McKinnon being the free agent running back that I would like to see the Bucks add the most. Um, in my primer, as I put out on Twitter Tuesday night, I had listed Dion Lewis as the ideal running back, and that was because I felt Dion Lewis would command less money. Um, he may still command less money, but he did just sign a four-year, $20 million deal with the Titans. I didn't think he was going to reach that high of a price tag. And who knows, McKinnon may be a little bit higher. I just like the fit of McKinnon in Tampa better than I did Dion Lewis. I have zero interest in Carlos Hyde. I have pretty much the same amount of interest in Jeremy Hill. Um, at that point, if the Bucks miss on McKinnon, I would rather just draft two running backs than sign one of those two guys. I mean, there's still going to be more players cut and everything. I just uh, don't put yourselves in a situation where you have to re-sign Charles Sims because that's going to drive me insane. So, yeah, my next pick is McKinnon. So, David, go ahead and wrap us up with your third pick. Well, you know who my third pick is, which is why you took a shot at him in, in describing your pick, and it's Jeremy Hill, um, who – who Mike Clay ranks behind Eddie Lacy as a remaining free agent running back, which is outrageous. Um, I have never been on. <laughs> I have never been on the Dion Lewis to Tampa train. Like I've never. I don't know. I mean, I'm not. Like Lewis has has a a place in the NFL, of course, but I don't think he's worth what he's getting. And uh, um, as an individual player, right, we mentioned – we were talking about this off off recording, and, and I said what I'm about to say now where I think he's getting paid for the potential of what a pairing of him and, and Derrick Henry does for Tennessee, which is fair, you know, which is, which is a valid thing. But um, I think Tennessee is throwing money at a situation trying to create uh, Ingram Tamara, you know, volume two. But I don't think that Deion Lewis is as versatile as – as Tamara and and uh, yeah, so I just I don't I don't feel like the deal is 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 worth it. But hey, I'm not running the Titans, and good luck to them. Maybe I'm wrong. But that being said, I do think that's going to inflate the price tag on Jerry, Jerry uh, on Jared McKinnon a little bit. 
which could cause some problems, like I said earlier in, in our previous segment. But Jeremy Hill is a guy I've, I've been saying it all offseason as much as you hate it. I just I feel like he he got screwed by Cincinnati. I feel like his he's got more talent than he was able to, sh- to showcase with the Bengals, and the Bengals essentially made him the scapegoat, kind of saying, "Look, here's here's a guy who's the root of our problems. It's not us, it's him." And I just don't see that. I don't think that's how it how it worked. Um, so I, I really want to see Jeremy get another shot. I don't like if if I'm a betting man, I'm not putting any money on the Buccaneers signing him because I just don't think they will. But if this is in this game, I'm picking the guys, right? So I'm bringing Jeremy Hill in and uh, putting him with Peyton there and uh, and bringing back Jaquiz and seeing what I can find third, fourth, fifth round of the draft to add some depth as well. Well, I'm I'm going to disagree wholeheartedly, but it's because I don't like Jeremy oh, Hill. Not, not because I disagree with your particular arguments. I just – I don't like – Jeremy Hill. So, yeah, you you agree with the Bengals that you think Hill was the problem, not the Bengals. I don't I mean, think not that you no, like no, the no, Bengals. No, 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 you no, think no. the Bengals were a problem as well. Yes, the entire <laughs> the entire Bengals organization is a problem, right. not just Jeremy Hill. Um, my third Can and I final one. Though? Yeah. So I do think though that Jeremy Hill is a kind of like you were talking about waves, right? I think Jeremy Hill is a is a is a wave two or even wave three free agent, right? Um, depending on how you how you classify those waves, like we're gonna have our first wave starting tomorrow. Our second wave is like some of the guys who get cut and stuff right before the draft. Third wave is right after the draft, so on and so forth. I think Jeremy Hill, if you look at it that way, is a wave three type of guy. So if the Buccaneers draft uh, Sony Michelle or a Rashad Penny or you know something like that, uh, and of course, obviously they signed McKinnon. Obviously, that whole change—I don't think that that whole thing changed, right? But they draft one of those guys. You know, Jeremy Hill's off my boards as a potential Buccaneers free agent signing. So he's definitely a post-draft guy. If they missed on all those players, I don't know. I just think looking at the list of guys that are available, why not give a guy who showed so much promise another shot because you're going to get him for cheap. So anyway, your your pick, sir. That might ease the sting a little bit. If he's post-draft, I might be able to deal with it a little bit better. But anyway, I'm not going to take the low-hanging fruit on this one. Um, I am, however, going to offer a somewhat controversial opinion. I don't know if controversial is the right word. It's somebody that I'm going to say the name and people are going to go, oh, really? Yeah, really. Um, Morris Claiborne, to me... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I went there. He's he's shown flashes. And to me, he's another one of those bridge players. If you can if you miss on gains. I'm not a huge proponent of bringing in Dominique Rogers Cromartie. But if you can get Morris Claiborne on a one or a two year deal. And again, you you're still looking at drafting a corner, but Claiborne can can help you get to where you need to be as far as developing your corner and getting them, you know, into your starting lineup. He's not going to solve the problem. What he is going to do is he's going to provide depth, and he's going to be somebody that you can 
put out on the field with starting experience, who's not going to break the bank and is going to help fill a need. Again, not the answer, a bridge, an affordable one on a very short-term deal. We're talking one year, maybe with a second year option kind of, kind of thing. And he's another one of those. I don't think Claiborne's going anywhere within the next couple of weeks. I think he's going to be one of those signings when things die down and maybe you're getting ready, you know, you're a week out from the draft or maybe it's the week post draft, but he seems to me to be a, a viable low cost option to help bolster the cornerback core. And judging by your reaction, you really don't like that. Uh, that's not true at all. I actually like Maurice Claiborne. That's our the, Maurice and why, Claiborne. <laughs> why did you start laughing at me? Because I think it's funny because I've I've held off on putting putting my stamp on him uh, just because I know that, like you said, people out there are like, oh, what, what are you talking about? Um I like Claiborne. I think he obviously hasn't reached the, the potential he had, right, uh, as a first-round draft pick. I like him when he came out of LSU. I think that he's got uh, a skill set to bring to the table. However, what's the deal with Robert McClain? Uh, I think he's kind of in limbo right now. It doesn't sound like they're too keen on bringing him back, but it's not out of the question. Yeah. I would rather see. If if the Buccaneers don't get Kyle Fuller or they don't like draft, uh, I don't know who Mika Fitzpatrick. I guess would be like the closest thing to a day one corner starter you have in the draft right now, Denzel Ward maybe. Um, then I would rather see Robert McClain get that job and put Vernon Hargraves inside right for the 2018 season as as a kind of a, a, a bridge corner. But if Robert McClain's not coming back, then I would not hate. Uh, Claiborne whatsoever. Uh, I just think it's funny because I really, I, I seriously thought I was probably the only person out there in the world who even thought that. And uh, yeah, so that was cool. I dig it. Well, you can find everything that we're doing over at thepeterplank.com. Make sure you're following along on Twitter at Locked On Bucks, at the Peter Plank, at jyarko underscore bucks, and at dh82 underscore bucks. We should have a special guest coming up on the Thursday, or I'm sorry, the Friday episode. And um, it's not out of the question that we might have a, uh, a Thursday episode. Depends on if anything crazy happens today. And uh, David and I might jump back on, or maybe I'll jump back on if David is unavailable. Or I don't know. If there's, if there's newsworthy events, we will be here on Thursday as well. But definitely back on Friday and hopefully with a very special guest to discuss discuss any and all moves that the Buccaneers have made or are making or are rumored to make uh, here in free agency. So we'd like to thank each and every one of you for joining us right here at Locked on Bucks. <laughs>